Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. This is episode 104, and we are the Houdat Jedi. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Boy, did anything happen this week? Nothing eventful. Yeah. Nothing eventful. Yeah, cool. Right? Um, only our coach reti- retiring. Do you put retiring in air quotes? I, I think he's retiring. I don't know, but that was... You know, I, man, it was one of those things when, when Drew retired, you know, I, my mantra was, so we lose Drew Brees, we're going to be okay. The day we lose Sean Payton, that's the day we need to start worrying. And yeah, there's a little bit of worry, but um, a friend of mine who is a, who's a Washington fan and um, he and I were in a band together. And um, so we're always talking football and he texted me yesterday and I, it made me, I texted back to him. These are my true feelings. It's like, I mean, we're in a much better place than when Sean Payton came on. This ain't, this ain't 2005 saints, you know, or prior, um, you know, and, uh, I mean, the culture is good and we don't have a psycho owner. So, you know, so we got, we got those things going for us. Um, but, uh, with that being said, who, who do you get, who do you guys must play a little game? Who do you think is going to get hired and who would you like to have hired? Because I, I I mean, conventional wisdom, I'll just start. Conventional wisdom is Dennis Allen. And I mean, that would make sense. He did. I mean, makes sense. However, who I would like, um, I'm kind of in the the enemy court. Mm -hmm. I think that would be, I don't, I don't know if, having a defensive minded head coach is going to be the best thing for us. But I don't know, Dave, I toss it to you. Well, I like B enemy too. And if you think about the reason I saw somebody actually ask this question, well, why wouldn't you just hire internally? Cause B enemy is very similar to the internal candidates that you have uh, experience wise. Um, and for me, it really sort of boils down to the fact that, his star has been on the rise for so long at this point. It's kind of like a Marvin Lewis situation when Marvin Lewis got hired by the Bengals. It's like this guy, there's it, he's overdue um, probably for this promotion and, and this opportunity. So like for me personally, I think like when, when a guy gets a rep like that, I think like that means that it will work out in some way, shape or form. It doesn't necessarily mean it'll be, perfect because again marvin lewis wasn't perfect with cincinnati um but that's kind of the parallel that i draw with him and and so like i I, yeah i would i would be perfectly fine with with him as the hire who do you think will be yeah i'd have to put money down who do you think will be hired pro i mean like probably alan uh but I, I don't have any real insider knowledge on that. I just know that a lot of people are trying to read between the lines with, with uh, some of Peyton's comments and um, like he's basically alluding to the fact that they're trying to sort of keep the band together. And so like, if you're trying to do that and that's a thing that they're actually trying to do, then, then Alan's the obvious guy. Bredo. Yeah, I think in terms of who do I think will get the job, I think it's Dennis Allen because of what Dave just said. It's not just a question of keeping the guy that you know in the building in the building. It's also keeping the majority of the coaching staff 
is keeping the majority of the players. It's a lot easier to sell guys, you know, who are about, you know, who are about to leave and go their separate ways for the offseason. Hey, nothing's changed. You know, Sean's gone, but we're going to keep this going. We're going to, you know, fix whatever holes we need to fix. But the uh, the mantra is going to be nothing's changed. I do have a soft spot for thinking of for the enemy just because if you're trying to convince the likes of, say, Russell Wilson, or should you want to Aaron Rodgers? No, we don't to want come to come over. <laughs> <laughs> should you want? Should you want? <laughs> I said, should you want? Uh, but that if you want to get one of those top elite free agent quarterbacks that are going to be available this offseason, the enemy is an easier sell. Now, that doesn't necessarily preclude that. You know, if you get Dennis Allen, you can get a good, smart offensive coordinator and say, hey, come work with us. But uh, like the Broncos just are the Packers offensive coordinator and everybody immediately put two and two together going, that's where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Cause they know one another, they have a working relationship. And you look at the standpoint of what the enemy has done in Kansas city, where that offense from 2018 through now has been among the best in the NFL and has seen the chiefs go to now four consecutive AFC title games and at least two Super Bowls that we know of, you know, it's very easy to you know get caught up in the idea of, well, we're just going to go from one innovative offensive mind to another innovative offensive mind. But having said all that, the majority, I mean, we have Kamara, we have Michael Thomas, we have Ryan Ramchick, but this team right now, as it was last season, was mostly built around the talents of the defense. Yeah. So if you want to keep that train going, you keep the guy who leads that and says, okay, go find somebody who you think can run an offense for you and keep it going. True. And this is not a, this is not a Saints podcast. So now let's move on to um, other NOLA news, though, real quick, is the, the earth-shattering kaboom that uh, <laughs> went on a couple days <laughs> ago. Um, that is, yeah, the, the sonic boom that is has been – it's not a military jet. So says the military. Yeah. And it's not a meteor, so says NASA. So what are you left with? I'm sorry, you're left with aliens, folks. Um, so that that's been the talk on the my kids' playground too. Like uh, they 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 they're they're all trying to figure out what this thing is, and and my son's convinced uh, aliens is the answer. Maybe uh, maybe it is a former Naboo starfighter that has a really bad bad McClunky uh, you know booster engine to get him away from the space cops which we'll be talking about tonight. Um, so now did you, did either be... of you hear the earth shattering kaboom? Like I said, we didn't. Our dogs didn't. We're up in Gentilly. Um, but uh, That would be so wizard. It would. Well, and then of course, on top of this, on top of this earth-shattering kaboom, is that yesterday there was weird cloud formations. That I mean, that is actually naturally occurring, but um, it's everything's just weird here, folks. See, Sean, that's what happens when you retire: is that aliens come and the Earth starts, you know, throwing up on itself. So, um, so let's get into. Let's he, messed get into the, he messed with the vibes of the universe, man. He removed the rug. That's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, all right. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, chapter five of the book of Boba Fett. So if you want to get on, which has nothing to do with Boba Fett this week, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> actually, his name is uttered only once. 
just once. Um, but uh, so if you want to get on Disney Plus and skip the recap, skip the intro, and you'll get to uh, the meat cutters in their overalls. And yes, folks, overalls is now canon in the Star Wars universe. Um, so, uh, but if you want to get to there, but first, uh, let's do some. So our meat lockers now. Meat meat lockers. Meat lockers. That's canon. right. What do you suppose? Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, so let's do some trivia just real quick, though. Get our brains wrapped. Or get away from saint sadness and aliens invading. Your phone. <laughs> um, let's 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 get our brains wrapped around some Star Wars. All right, Fredo, you're up first. Who does Queen Amidala defend saying, quote, he has been our strongest supporter? We've had this one. I believe so, but I'm going to say the same answer, which is Chancellor Valorum. It is Chancellor Valorum. All right, so I'll put that back. Now, Dave, I'm going to make sure I read further down the card because I think that might be the X factors. I think I always go to the top category. So, Dave, whose flagship is said to be, quote, crawling with vulture droids? General Grievous? That is General Grievous. It is, it is, it is. All right. To me, who orders rebel fighters to, quote, engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range? It's a trap. Which, by the way, I still think Old Miss should have gone with Admiral Akbar as their um, uh, mascot when they were changing. It is. Oh, no, I got it wrong. Darn it. It's Lando. It's Lando. I suck. See, it's all Sean Payton's fault. <laughs> He's throwing you off. It's all Sean thing. Payton's just... fault. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Oh, okay. it was, that's right. It was Lando. Man. There it is. My Star Wars cred is out the window. All right. So um, is there – well, I guess it, it, we'll, we'll drop some news uh, here and there throughout because there's some interesting things that um, – is kind of Mandalorian Boba Fett related. Um, oh, by the way, one thing I did see today, um, there are pictures taken of the shuttle that is, and I used air quotes there, the shuttle that is going to take you from the Galactic Star Cruiser to Batu. It's <laughs> it's the bus that they put you on, and you know then and drive you to Batu. I'm sure it's just going to be all. Uh, do you Sorry. get to wear an orange jumpsuit while they put you in the bus? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Does this feel more and more like medieval times to you? <laughs> you know, I... Best friends forced to do battle. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It, it's... It's it's again. It's a prison ship. It's going to be your. This is the. I don't know. Put everybody in ankle chains. Okay. Well, let's get into Book of Boba Fett. Um, which again this week had nothing to do with book with Boba Fett until the very end. Um, they said this was going to be Mandalorian season two point five. Well, you got the point five. So here we go on the count of three. Let's hit play. One, two, three. Yeah, what what I, what I was reminded of as I was watching it is there's a tradition in comic books of issue number zero. You know, whenever there's like a, a comic book that's gone wheels on a run, they go back and they kind of give you like a history of before the first issue, so they call it a zero issue. And it's kind of like felt like 
series three or season three, episode zero of Mandalorian. So when you, when you saw the silhouette, yeah. did you for a second think it was Boba Fett? No. I immediately thought Mando. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it, it, you know, when he comes, when he goes through the, the, the plastic drapes, which apparently that is also, you know, same, Cannon. same stuff. I had a hinky dinky, but in, back in the day, that was a grocery store. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but no, they, uh, <laughs> my, my wife said, well, that, they didn't waste any time. I was like, nope. Yep. There we go. We're, it's all Mando. And, um, it's hinky dinky, the mid, the hinky dinky, the Midwest version of Piggly Wiggly. It is exactly it. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like okay. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, is, I've had this conversation with other people before when I was in college because I said, yeah, I work at Hinky Dinky. And the guy said, what? The it's Hinky Dinky. And somebody said, you know what a Piggly Wiggly is? Yeah, that's the same thing. So anyway, um, so we're in a meat locker. And uh, what do you, I don't even want to know what the animals are that are hanging there. We're not told. <laughs> um, they should have had somebody fighting. But Mando is back at uh, being a bounty hunter. So, Which is interesting. You know, my uh, the vibe I got from this opening sequence was very similar to the um, the fisherman vibe when uh, in season two when when we were on that oceanic planet and uh, you had like the uh, Mon Calamari wearing fisherman sweaters. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just like immediately. I felt I, I was drawn back to that same kind of place, and it, and then I find out who directed the episode. I didn't even realize. Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? And uh, she she's got a good batting average at this point. I want to say that. You know what's uh, interesting oh, what point about? Did we get a movie from her. What's mm. What's interesting about this is that I'm I'm thinking back to episode seven when Han and Leia are talking, and they're basically saying when they lost, you know, their son, they they Han says we went back to doing what the only things we knew to do, you know, mm-hmm. him being a smuggler, basically her being, you know, a general. And that's what Mando is going through here. He lost his son and it, what am I going to do? I'm just, I'm going to go back to being a Mandalorian and a bounty hunter. But I was actually kind of surprised at how vicious this fight scene was. And it went, and it wasn't even like we're going to hint at what happened. No, we. It's some serious. It's probably the goriest Star Wars stuff that we've ever seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's it's an interesting choice that they put him back to being a bounty hunter, but also the nature of the way that he's behaving is one of someone who's lost something precious to them and they're still processing it all which makes sense we know he does seriously slices the dude clean in half i know i mean i like i like that they gave us the saber too right away because there's no confusion about the timeline this isn't like some kind of flashback or something like that it's like okay this is this is where we left him and so we're Mm -hmm. picking up right where we left off um basically uh we don't know how much time's passed but um, I, you know, I liked that little touch and, and it, it, Aaron, to your point, uh, your larger point, I think like the stuff with the armor really drove that point home for me. Um, and we're going to get into that soon enough. Um, but yeah, it really felt like he's kind of falling back into these roles that he had originally carved out for himself that 
he may have we thought may have potentially grown out of and yet you know it's comfortable for him so he's back in it like you said like han solo in episode seven by the way when he said i can bring you in warm or i can bring you in cold do you think that they just lifted that audio from episode one (laughs) season one because it sounded exactly like it and actually i got to wondering if um if this whole thing was just, did they just hire Pedro to do the voiceover and let somebody else do the physical acting? I don't know that. And that's neither here nor there, but they've also got the dude's head in a bag. I mean, this is like I said, this is some serious gory star Wars folks. Um, yeah, that, was, that was more like Medusa from Clash of the Titans than anything we've ever seen in star Wars. <clears throat> so to your point that this is a Mandalorian, centered episode and it's there's no boba fett here and so like the question becomes at some point and maybe we'll answer this later is like how effective of an episode is this towards advancing the narrative that we had already invested in i think most people came away from this thinking great more mandalorian i love this um and I, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I am very much there. Uh, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Wars television I've ever seen. Um, that having been said, if I'm trying to evaluate it as part of the story for of Boba Fett, um, okay, so it, it's it's not that that okay. is it's just it does not fit. So there's my thing. Okay, so first of all, I have to say that I think that this the design of this planet or whatever it is is so very cool. So very original where it's an artificial planet that's in a ring and they leave an open gap so that as it rotates, you know, the, the sun rises and sets. That's kind of cool. That was cool design. But to your point, Dave, that gets to my thing is that, gosh, I mean, we've only got two episodes left Mm -hmm. and it, we've got to work in him going to see Grogu. I mean, sorry to get to the end of the episode here real quick, but there's stuff that we we now have been taken on this detour with only two episodes left. It's like, why didn't we do this, you know, when we were, again, couldn't we have combined a couple of the flashback episodes and mm-hmm. had this, and then you had, you know, enough to get to the climax and the, res- and the resolution. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Let's see what the next two are. I mean, I dug this episode, but you're right. If I heard you correct, that this is like, man, we just, we spent a lot of time over here and we don't have a lot of time left. Um, Well, and what's interesting is when you compare it to say something like Mandalorian season two, we didn't get, we saw one moment of Boba Fett before seeing the fire spray come up and him come out of nowhere, but we spent an episode with his armor. So there was something like it, but it wasn't anything like this, where in one, you know, during season two of Mandalorian, oh, we're going to get a whole episode full of the flashbacks of Boba Fett. You know, I wonder how that would have felt in, you know, if we had flipped things around. But but yeah, it, it creates an interesting dynamic because you're like, you want to see all this. You do want to get all this information. This is all great. This is going to lead to season three of Mandalorian and to the end of this story with Book of Boba Fett, but it removes the main characters no longer at the focus of the story, at least for this episode. And when you got so few episodes, it does make it feel like it's 
like it's intruding. Like all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, all of a sudden you start playing uh, a different guitar solo or guitar riff in the middle of a song. I I, th- I think this is John Favreau and Dave Filoni playing Brown Eyed Girl after they just played five originals leading up to this. It's like, <laughs> you know, they they or they played four originals and now they're going, we got to play Brown Eyed Girl or this audience is going to kill us. Um, mm-hmm. Because I mean, let's that be honest. Be part let's, of it. Let's be honest. We uh, see of the people that I'm seeing, you know talking about this online it's we're kind of in the minority of digging this series there are a lot of people who are really torqued off at book mm-hmm. of boba fett so now it you know Brittany said to me as watched so like be interesting to see what x y and z is going to say after this one if they're back on board with the book of boba fett after it was all mandalorian um but here mm-hmm. we are finding the covert right um, What's left of it? Yeah, he found the, the 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 his whole deal was he did this job to get the information as to where the Mandalorians have been hiding. Remember back in season one, they all episode three. Yeah, they all split. Um, we didn't see them at all in episode two or in season two. And so here he is hobbling along, and we've got the armorer meditating mm-hmm. do you want to give give your theory dave well we weren't sure if she was even still alive at this point so that was just kind of interesting just getting her back um we were like i i mean i i got excited right um like woo, she's back right this is gonna be awesome um there's a theory going around um that this character is Rook Cast, um, who was kind of a Darth Maul disciple during the Clone Wars era. And, um, you know, kind of hitched her wagon there. Um, has no love for Bogotan. And by the way, some of the... the 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 tip off that people the reason we p- people are going with this is that her helmet has the horns on on top mm-hmm. which is um if you go back to the if you look at the comic books you look go back to the clone wars episodes the those mandalorians who were in maul's camp had horns in homage to him so sorry dave no that's fine and if you look at like um pictures of the actress who plays this they they line up pretty well with the animated character as well um so you know there's always that and um the reason i like the theory um is because of the again this is this very cult-like organization uh you shall not deviate you will do what i tell you to do we're very close-knit and you're under my thumb, so to speak. And um, the helmet thing like plays into that beautifully because like you, you shall not remove your helmet, right. Or have it forcibly removed from you. That was a, that was kind of this new addition to Mandalore culture that we had never seen prior to this series. Um, And then she's, she's spouting that and he's spouting that this is the way, this is the way the mantra um it's very self-serving if she's a former disciple of maul trying not to be discovered as being kind of a jerk (laughs) and 
uh, to your point, Aaron, too, like what's the, co what company is she keeping as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, Vizsla, right? Well, and that's the thing I was just going to well, say. The other interesting thing about this, folks, is that, um, yeah, the other Mandalorian that's in here is Paz Vizsla, whose uh, father or grandfather, well, anyway, he's the descendant. Well, actually, we can just say he's the descendant of the Jedi Mandalorian who created the Darksaber. So here he is holding, you know, great, 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 great grandpappy's, you know, dark saber um and he feels a little bit of entitlement to that just from but the armorer says that you know bo katan you know wielded it and claimed to be leader of mandalore because of blood so right. that kind of put him in his place a little bit there um but yeah so um this is a very um sinking feeling with that character too when um he basically right out of the shoot um challenges him for it and this is in theory somebody who's a part of your tribe um uh you are all in this together in in theory and he's already challenging him for the saber which is just this mythological thing like anytime somebody has the most powerful of weapons people are always going to want to take it from you. And like, that's the curse that he's seeing himself in at this, at this stage of things. So that's like basically exactly what you would expect for him to have this mythical weapon that can supposedly, you know, unite a people and cut down all comers. Um, of course people are going to start challenging him for it and, and try to win it from him. And it's just, it's kind of, it's almost humorous to see it happen right away with somebody who supposedly he should be able to trust. Did you ever see the uh, American anime series Afro Samurai? There no. was this, this, the whole story behind it was, it was voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. It was kind of post-apocalyptic, but the idea was that it, you had all these martial artists, martial warriors, and the greatest of them all wore this headband with a number one on it. Only the guy who wore the number two could ever challenge him, but anybody could challenge the guy who was wearing the number two. So in some instances, that's the way I'm feeling with the Darksaber. It's going to be for Din. Anybody and everybody recognizes its value, they're going to be gunning for him because as we as we hear, hear said by the armor. Whoever wields the dark saber can unite our tribes. You know, and I'm sorry, the armorer is is uh, laying a bill of goods here um, mm -hmm. with the. I mean, the whole thing with the spear, because he, he he points out it can block a lightsaber and it can pierce Mandalorian armor. And she said, you know, can pierce Beskar. And she said, well, we got to melt this thing then. <laughs> it's that's self-serving as well it's, too, a th right? it's a threat to her you know yeah man mandalo mando is you know den is holding all the cards as he walks in he's got the dark saber and he's got a spear that can you know take them all out so what do we do you know it's again it's a, you mentioned it down. earlier it's a cult you know so it the brainwashing begins again you know it's like the you know you have to do what I say, you know, this is the way, this is the creed. She keeps talking about the creed, 
you know, and mm-hmm. he falls right into it. Um, I, I I take some of that at face value, which is this is a weapon that poses a direct threat to all Mandalorians. But again, of course, it is self-serving for her, too. It's like um, there might be a better use for this material. And I do appreciate, though, that she offers to do for build it into something else that he would desire. And that's when we get, well, I would I would want it to be young for a, um, a, a foundling. So, how, mm-hmm. however, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's... She's, she's telling all these stories about how, mm-hmm. you know, that bad things happen if you wield the Darksaber and you didn't win it in battle. It's like, so says who? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> well, who, who died and made her Pope? You know, it's like, you know, I, it, that's, that's, but, but Din has, and everybody in the covert has, have been, you know, trained to, you just blindly follow what the armorer is telling you. It's like, again, I, I, I kept waiting for him to say, you know, who died made you Pope of this dump? You know, I mean, it's it anyway. So what do you think? What do you think the armorer made for Grogu? Is this special? Well, a couple of ideas. Ring. Huh? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Oh, go ahead. I, I said I had a couple of ideas. Um, I think it's some chain mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see the little rings? Yeah. Of Beskar. So maybe yeah. like a, a shirt of uh, mail. I don't know if they made a helmet. It better have ear. It, I can't. I'd love to see a helmet with ear holes. I mean, sorry, that'd just be totally awesome. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Dave, you said you had some theories. Uh, two things immediately came to mind for me, too. Um, I, I saw the rings and I thought of potentially of mail, too. But then I didn't think that would be like personal enough. So then I thought maybe a signet. Um, because that very, seems very important within the, their culture um, to have that, and, and that would be a cool thing for him to pass along to Grogu. Um, the other thing I thought of would be uh, uh, a knob. I thought that, too. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a little bowl shape, you know, with the nod. Yeah. By yeah. the way, there is no way anybody who's ever seen Rebels saw this uh, training month scene between the armorer and then and nothing back to uh the scene in rebels where uh sabine wren is being trained on how to use the dark which, which by the way if i can I, I i thought of that too and if i can say so rebels did it better that whole interaction between kanan and sabine and talking about the dark saber um was one of the it's one of the best moments in star wars that that interaction go ahead fredo but no but i was going to say i think the difference is a question of the teacher i think there was i mean there's obviously affection between kanan and sabine as you know teammates and friends and whatnot but it's also kanan is assuming the role of master for sabine in a way much the same way as his master did to him I don't think that that exists. I think this is, you know, again, the differences in culture. The Mandalorians are very militaristic, so it's you're either doing this or you're not doing this. There's no couching it or making you feel comfortable about what you're doing. And which obviously leads to the question of, how should you be the one using this weapon? And of course, you can't give it up either. 
Hey, real quick, um, when he found the armorer and uh, John Favreau and armor here, um, did they did they say mm-hmm. that there were three of them? And was the number three including Din Djarin? Is there another Mandalorian running around here somewhere? I guess is my question mm-hmm. from the covert. Thought, yeah, yeah. No, he did. He did mention the number three that there are three of us. Um, because he was talking about the losses suffered. He said, thank you for coming to rescue me. I am sorry that you lost members. And he said, we are, we are three at this point. Um, and I don't know if he was including Den in that number or not, but as we'll soon find out because of the controversy over the helmet, um, it does not appear that Den's future is going to be aligned with these two. Um, but I loved everything. I mean, I love so much of this because like at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, I was just like, okay, so we're just going to do some palace intrigue stuff and we're just going to go to Mandalore, I guess, and see how the glass slipper fits for him. Um, and that just sounded a little boring to me. Um, I very much like this. Uh, approach to it of uh, yeah he's not going to find that the slipper fits 100% well uh, he's 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 going to revert to some of the teachings that, that got him to this point in the first place um, some of the bad habits including in that and, and to your point Fredo too just like mourn his loss um, he's still hung up on Grogu and, and not being able to be with him Um and so all of this just worked on just such a wonderful level for me. It was like, again, it was like we're back to watching Mandalorian uh, beginning of season two or end of season one. I just mm-hmm. like feel like this is peak Mando. Also, but also, I... go ahead, Fredo. No, I'm just going to say the other thing is we know from season two the reaction to Bo Katan. And her night owls had to din once they identified which cult he was in. That you know, the idea that he's just going to show up with the dark oh. and say, "Okay, everybody, follow me." Not going to work. There's going to be a lot of stigma for, to the fact that the way that he learned from Mandalore is through them, through this cult. So he just got uh, kicked out of the club here just got excommunicated because he didn't know how to lie when asked if you ever took off your helmet <laughs> and if anybody he because he has he's just too good of a dude and so character revealing yep by creed he yeah. has to he's mandalorian no more and the only way he can atone for it is in the mines below mandalore which uh i don't think exist anymore um well that's what he said it's like mandalore has been destroyed it's like hey this is the way and i just went you got to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, basically. <laughs> but, I, but I find it interesting that she lets him walk out with the dark saber. Hasn't been one in combat. See, that's, that's kind of the catch. She's been hitting him all day long since he got in about the creed, the creed, the creed. And now the creed is forcing her to kick his butt out. If but she I'll... were to take the dark saber from him, she would be violating the creed. So in some ways, it kind of goes to the idea of you know being in a cult and it kind of reversing against you because, I mean, she could challenge him, but she and she would beat his butt no problem, but it wouldn't be one in 
in proper battle. I I also feel like just the fact that she and him were training and he was a dead tired, and then this other guy comes in and challenges him, and then he freaking takes the guy. Uh, I bet she's there's a little bit of self preservation in there too. It's like I don't think I'm going to challenge this guy right here, right now, um, because like he may take me down just like he just got this other guy down. Um, when he wasn't weighted down with the literal burden of the saber, that's true. He's no a knows, formidable huh? warrior. So. And this is fun. Well, so now here we are getting on the Galactic (laughs) Star Cruiser and (laughs) being held up by TSA. Yep, yep. Who's a TSA droid? Uh, That's all part of the experience, Aaron. You've got to be, uh, you know, accosted by TSA and give up all your worldly possessions. Yeah. There goes, there's a Star Tours droid telling him, now now you got to put everything away. And what I love is he says, look, it's part of my religion. But that, you know, he's finding how quickly all of that really doesn't fit anymore. You know, Did you guys think it's... any of this stuff was going to go missing? I thought, I like well, he... yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because your luggage always gets lost, you know. it's. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize, sir. You're, you're, you are in Tatooine. Your luggage is in Nalhata. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're on the Galactic Star Cruiser. He's on... He's on the space Greyhound right now is what it is. Um, yep. And though somebody mentioned like, look at like how much space he has. Like this is, this is nice. He's got room to put his leg room on the seat yeah. next to him. Yeah. But this is kind of a cute interaction with the little kid Rodian. I mean, it's. His, I don't I gotta know. Say, it, it, his reaction would have been different in season one prior to Grogu. I mean, I, he's, mm-hmm. you know, and I almost now that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of piecing this together as I'm yammering. So tell me if I'm way off here. But the whole thing with the dark saber was that you know he's fighting the blade, and you go back to Kanan's telling Sabine basically to connect with it, use the Force to connect with it. You know, Din has, you know, through the first two seasons has become more in tune with the living force. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and he, you know, are we are we going to see him become the next because there's only been one Mandalorian Jedi? Are we going to perhaps see down? Could it be a path towards another Maybe not Jedi per se, but a little bit more in tune with the Force, so he can use the dark saber. Will Will Grogu and Luke help him out with that? Well, it could be, but I think and I think part of it. What's interesting is throughout his two seasons, we've seen him split in terms of what's most important, most valuable. You know, he was he started as a very cold, kind of distant. He was a true Mandalorian as per his group of people. And that's all he cared about. And then Grogu comes along and now he's having a different identity from himself. So he's further split from who that person was at the start of the show. And now we're seeing the consequences of that split. He can't all of a sudden not think about his kid. I'm sure Dave can tell us that being a parent changes you, mm-hmm. you know, in ways you had no idea could happen before you were a parent. So. Um, just the, just that concept of this is now the road he's on because he made the decision 
to spare Grogu and become his father. It's and it's gonna be it's gonna lead him into interesting points because you're right. Being Grogu's dad may come into conflict with wielding the dark saber and leading Mandalore. By the way, um, I haven't played, but I heard that this droid here that the Womp Rat is trying to eat is a droid from Jedi Fallen Order. Yep, that. Well, they call it here BD. I think the yeah, it's BD one. Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's the little droid that's always on the shoulder of Cal Kestis. Uh, helps him slice doors and hack into computers and whatnot. So yes, I was glad to finally see him. I was like, hey. <laughs> Pelimoto also is nice to see. I, I, I know we, I, we had seen, we had seen prior. So, so the um, the lady here remind me of the 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 actor's Amy name. Amy Sedaris. You know, mm-hmm. there's part of me that I really enjoy the character, but the other part of me, every time we get there, I feel like I'm in an episode of Taxi. I know it's not Rhea Perlman, but it's just I feel like uh, you know this is when I feel like I'm in the Star Wars holiday special because she camps it up so much. It's the hair. It's not necessarily the hair. It's just that she camps up the character so much that uh, again, this is when I feel like I'm in the Star Wars holiday special a little bit. Um, that being said, you know, um, mm-hmm. this uh, um, oh, I don't know what the heck I was gonna say. Anyway, go ahead. No, I was just going to say real quick, I think you need a character like her to play off of Din's character, particularly season one, Din, just because he was so limited in terms of his emotions. You need somebody, if you're going to have somebody go one-on-one with him, you can't have somebody try to be more stoic than he is. It's and, not going to work. You need, you need somebody to be more engaging, more lively. And how surprised... If they go too much... Sorry, how surprised mm-hmm. were we by this uh, this ship and the name drop that came along with it i mean because not only is it it's like oh my god it's a it's a new naboo starfighter but then she mentions the queen of naboo so Mm -hmm. and then she mentions father's shortly after this yeah so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of connective tissue in this scene um and this is like this is why i like the character at this point because she's very familiar to us at this point so she's kind of um tethering in a way like i feel more connected to the universe because oh yeah i know you and this is a happy reunion and i feel good about things and like a lot of these little nods here are are designed in the same way it's like okay now we're gonna we got this if you've been around for episode one we're gonna show you something that you really might appreciate here um and I love that. It's it's, it's great. I, now, I did want to touch briefly on something that I thought was really kind of cool here, um, which is just that she works him. Um, yeah. And you know, and like ultimately, he he probably ends up with something that he's happy with. Um, uh, like a you know, forty year old ended up in a sports car, but uh, I I think. Um, she works them a little bit here and, and, and Kate, my wife, I think she used the word um, emotionally stunted. Like he's still very much, very childlike in some, in some respects. And he still gets like taken advantage of, and he's still constantly looking for reassurance and direction. Yeah, you're right. But there's, but also he, he understands that he doesn't have the cards. 
Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, you're, you're, he needs I, a I, ship I, and I would, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. I mean, he needs, it's like, you need a ship. Yeah. This is what I got. So you can either take it or you can go walk, dude. You know, um, but anyway, keep going. But I'm by sorry. the same token, but by the same token, she's like, and I could use some help. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I, I understand it sort of reveals that, you know, he's a nice guy. Cool. But let's, let's um, talk about what we mentioned last week where we said, this is like book of Boba Fett is all about, remember what he said? He said, um, you don't can't get very far without a tribe. And so far, and we are how many minutes into this, we're 30, 33 minutes into this and he has been looking for belonging. So he first went to the covert to find belonging. He got booted out of that. Now it's like, I'm going back to, he didn't have to go back to most Isley. He went back to most Isley because he knew somebody there. I mean, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he said he got a message about a ship, but I mean, he's, this, is, this is, this is belonging, what's... you know? And then at the no, end, at the end I'm sorry. At, at the end, when Fennec Shand is saying, you know, offering, you know, he's going to, he's going to do this work pro bono because, you know, again, I don't think it's because he owes Boba Fett anything. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, they want me. Yeah. I was going to say, cause what's interesting is she doesn't just offer him, she offers him a ship, but she makes him think that he's offering her. She's offering him a racer crest, which in some ways it's like, Hey, you get to regain a little bit of your old life back. You get, you, know, you felt like this was your ship, even though, you know, because think about it—he's a bounty hunter. Where is he going to stick the living bounty in this starfighter? And and let and let's talk about something. She dated a Jawa, and she speaks <laughs> Jawa. Now, Fredo, the TikTok you sent us today was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> this lady just saying, "This is going to make for some crazy porn. This is going to make for some crazy porn." <laughs> you know you know somebody's working on it so um and what'd she say they're very furry yeah very furry furry. so but uh yeah like i uh i love the montage of the build here too you see a lot of very familiar shots of like the dashboard and and you know some of the the curves of the ship and you got the little robot uh Helper droids here doing their, their thing as well. Um, I didn't really realize that I have as much nostalgia for the Phantom Menace as I do. Um, See, I told you. But like this whole scene, like really sort of drove that home for me. Um, but, you know, to circle back to what we were just talking about with this, you know, the emotional stunting of Din, right? You're lo- he's looking for a place to exist, and that's something that everybody feels, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think she's on to something, though, when, when you say he would be more desperate for those sorts of familial connections because he didn't have them, because he was this foundling, and he didn't have any sort of family um, to speak of that we know of. So... Um, yeah, of course. Of course he's looking for those things. And of course he will event- he, uh, at times be taken advantage of. But uh, it, it again, to, I'll be a broken record. It works for me. It, it works for his character. It works for the show. I want well, to say real quick, the, the, the animation of the pit droids, they have done that so well. 
I mean, they they look mm-hmm. like they belong right next to R five D four and the tread. I mean, they. So I am sorry. That's just a, an aesthetic thing. There's been some animation that hasn't worked. The pit droids work, and and talk about character development. He says to the droid, "Thanks, little guy." Yeah. Remember? Yeah. When no. There's he... mo- There's a. Yeah, he did not like droids <laughs> when we first met him. No droids. Um, and now he's to a point where he's interacting with them in a very pleasant manner and accepting their help, and et cetera. But Fredo, I think you were going to say something. No, 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 because I was going to say, it's interesting because you're right in terms of his looking for belonging. He had that and he lost it. That's one way of looking at it. You know, mm-hmm. getting kicked out of the cult uh, that he was in is, <laughs> he lost it. I love, by the way, I love this little interaction where he keeps asking where are these guys getting all these parts? <laughs> and she's yeah. like, don't ask. And then finally tells him, oh, they got this from, from the Pikes. And you're like, <laughs> and right now she's giving him kind of the exposition as to what's going on in Tatooine, which we were aware of because we've seen the previous episodes, but didn't ask him because he's been in his own world. And you <laughs> don't question it either, that they could just like quick rip apart a, a Pike ship because you saw them do that to the Razor Crest. Uh, in an earlier episode of The Mandalorian where they like ripped it apart in record time. So we know they're capable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they build the ship and it's like, ooh, yay, this is fun. Uh, and to your point, Aaron, this is all very well shot. The effects are great. Um, stark contrast to a couple episodes back where we had issues. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, we got a little cockpit for a little character. Will it? Will it? Yeah. Will it? Will it go filled or will it stay empty? Um, and Fredo, that's what I thought you were alluding to when you said mm-hmm. he had a family or a role and lost mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I thought I thought you were talking about Grogu. Well, that's the other thing. That's part yeah. of this whole emotional kind of tornado that he's living through. Is he had a role as a Clan of two with Grogu mm-hmm. lost that because willingly gave that up, but it's still hurting him. Try to go back to his old family, the cult, got kicked out of that because in order to preserve and save his new family, he had to break the rules of the old family. And you know, how often does that happen to people and whatnot? And now he's trying to find his place and a way to connect and build a new family. And what we know of it by the, by the episode's end is that, no, he is still going to try to keep that connection alive between himself and Grogu, even if he recognizes that it's best that Grogu stay with Luke Skywalker. So I got to I gotta tell you guys, this is kind of funny when he, because we're about ready to take this new ship up and see what it's got and everything. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I have, to, I have to tell you a story about my friend Mike. Um, Mike been my best friend since preschool. And he got, when we were in college, um, gosh, I think we were probably in our just early 20s. Um, But he he just got a new Mustang, bright purple Mustang. And he was taking it out outside of town, and he's going to see what it can do. And he just pedaled to the metal. He said, buried the needle. And he's going around this curve, and he's, you know, seeing if the car can handle this curve. Mike was kind of in a destructive state at this point because he had just, his dad passed not, you know, about a year or so ago. And anyway, so he's got, like I said, he's got the needle buried. So he's going more than 100 miles an hour around this, you know, two-lane highway in Nebraska. And he says he sees in the other lane going opposite of him, 
cop going the opposite way. And so Mike was just like, uh, and he just slowed down. He pulled his car over and just sat on the, uh, on the shoulder until about a minute later, cop comes up with lights a blazing and the cop comes up Mm -hmm. to him and says, says, what, where the heck, where the heck were you going so fast? And Mike's just, I just got this new car. Just going to see what it can do. He's like, well, don't you think there are safer ways you can do that? And he's like, yeah, probably. He's like, all right, just slow it down. Will you? So it's kind of along the same lines of what Din just went through is going to go through here in a second. But he said, you know, the cop didn't have a radar on him. Obviously he just saw this big purple blur just go, you know, and (laughs) Mike was like, Oh, well he's coming. So I might as well just sit here. But, um, which I think it's probably what threw him off. Just the fact that he was just sitting by the side waiting for him. By the way, I'm getting tired of everybody saying dank Ferrick. Let's learn some new Star Wars swear words. Um, but uh, I love seeing some Beggar's Canyon. I would have loved to have seen a, a Tuscan Raider taking a pot shot. That would have been a little bit <laughs> too on the nose. But but... You're going to see the little uh, ramp off ramp that Anakin took when he got shoved into by Sebulba. Uh-huh. Oh, really? You actually, see it. You actually pass it. You actually pass it, yeah. That's right there. Right there? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah. And a sleeping womp rat that I swore to God was going to get be roadkill. But nope. Okay. Uh, I mean, after we see a guy get sliced in half, you know, you kind of expect, you know, a little bit more um, grossness. Anyway, so... Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think, is like hitting these out of the park. They're just shot so well. And the story flows well. Um, She understands the technology, too, um, that they're trying to utilize. Again, she doesn't have access to $200 million budget to produce, you know, an hour of television. Yeah. she works with what she's got and she does it really well. And the character moments are all um, acted so brilliantly. How, however, here I'm going to go, I'm going to beat my dead horse that's sitting right next to me here. It, we're okay. We're testing out the ship. We're wasting a lot of time when we only, it's not like we have, you know, eight episodes left where you can dink around and play around no, we're going to have you get, I mean, he could have gotten pulled, he could have gotten pulled over by space cops a long time ago. And we don't need, we don't need the hat tip to the little Rodian kid. We don't need, I'm sorry. I know I'm sounding like get off my lawn, but it, that's my frustration with the storytelling in these series is that we just, we dink around and then it, again, we're going to come up to, Oh crap, we got stuff to do anyway. Go ahead. Well, I was, well, and that's, I was going to say right quick, just simply, that you're right. I mean, how much of this episode, what we see in this episode, is truly necessary for the story, the book of Boba Fett? And we've had this exact we scene little... earlier when he was in the Razor Crest. It's like, you know, when he got pulled over by the same space cops, you know? So, <laughs> I was. Right. So much of this is so fun, though. It I, is. Mean, I, I will give you that. Like, it's like I have like, to, I have to put that cynical side away, and it's yeah. like this. This is fun. He's pulled over by space cop. They know who he is. There, you know, it's like it, there's a cat and mouse thing going on here. Yeah, but it's it is fun. But you know, yeah. When 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 you get us when you get a something as simple as the test flight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, storytelling wise, you could devote thirty seconds to that. Call it good. 
Um, but it, instead, they decide to make it a moment, like, and 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 try to convey what the character is experiencing. And I I, I uh, immediately was reminded of uh, in Iron Man when he takes the suit for its first test flight, mm-hmm. and like you feel that sense of like wonder in Tony Stark when he's flying the suit around for the first time. And it's like, you get that it's palpable. You don't even see, I mean, again, Mando's under a helmet. You don't see his face. You don't, you, you don't give it woohoo. You know, like where little, little Annie is like shouting, Oh, I'm going to spin. That's a neat trick. Oh, and hope so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wizard. We got him <laughs> saying wizard. I mean, there's half the population on this planet is losing their minds right now because he said wizard and the other half is great. losing their mind because they love it anyway <laughs> i i mean like i'll cut myself a little bit short on this it's just like they did she did such a great job of shooting that stuff that i just i've i've seen it three times now this is our this is my third time seeing it and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's beautiful it's beautiful all the emotion in it you feel it and there's a the genuine sense of speed, <laughs> which we were talking about being very lacking in that earlier sequence. Um, mm-hmm. It all works. Yeah, you know what? It reminded me of the first flight sequence out of Man of Steel, uh, the Superman movie. Mm-hmm. That that's what this felt like. It felt, yeah. you know, because he's buzzing through canyons, going up into space. So that's what it felt more like than Star Wars, which is surprising. All right, so he's we've set up um, that we're going to be. He's got to go see his little friend first, and mm-hmm. let's let's yeah. set everybody up. You're probably going to see fake Luke Skywalker here again. What would you guys think if we had the if part of the muscle that Din brings back includes Luke. Luke, and maybe somebody who looks like a little professor Snape with a, you know, um, lightsaber who goes by the name (laughs) of Ben. Um, what if, what if he brings some Jedi with him? And what if you have a Boba Fett, Luke, you know, what's up? Reunion. Yeah. You know, a little bit of a head nod. What's up? You know, type of a thing. Um, because Luke it's, you know, anyway, I think, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for disappointment potentially because I think you're not even going to see it. I think he's saying I have this errand to run first, so we're going to circle back. We're, we're going to see that in uh, in season three. Yeah, probably if we do. Um, we're going to go see Boba Fett next episode, doing his own thing. He's going to get in a bad way. And who's going to swoop in and rescue him? But Mando, and it'll be my business is done. I'm here. You know, Um, I think it'd be kind of like that. I think that's what they're trying to set up here with Grogu and (laughs) Chainmail. I'm not going to rule out a possible cameo from somebody else, but um, I think that's the intent here. I think we're going to go. I think we're going to circle right back to Boba next episode. Mm Hmm. I think the idea is going to be next episode is the big confrontation between Boba Fett and his uh, hired muscle and versus the Pikes. And it's going to leave us in a cliffhanger. And then the final episode, we'll see Din swoop in, you know, and save 
Boba much the same way that Boba helped save him against the Empire. Um, you know, I, and as much as as much as I like this episode, and I th- I think the reason why we all like this episode is because we really dug the Mandalorian. And we missed the Mandalorian. This has nothing, nothing to do with Boba Fett. Nothing. Right. And th- that's what I said earlier. You could have taken all of this and you could have just had the last two minutes. Right. That's you could have it. Had, you could have had an entire episode, just Boba Fett, I mean, then catching Fennec saying, yeah, I tried going back to my covert. It really didn't work out. I no longer belong there. Yep. I'm getting, I got a new ship. Here I am. Which, which again, that's really what it could have taken. Yeah. Which, which again, it makes me wonder if, you know, it is, it was pre planned. It's like just in case we got some people who are, you know, start yeah. it, you, when you plan a set list, you do. You have Brown Eyed Girl after you've played, you know, four originals and the crowd's starting to get antsy. You know, it's, you know, we need you know, to have this episode to... that's going to have this, that's going to make you feel pretty good. It's like episode seven, having all of those things that look like a new hope. That was, that was not by accident and it wasn't by laziness. It was to, and it, it was to make people feel comfortable. Well, we've talked um, about the crossovers too, and like where we're headed with the Marvel shows all crossing over with one another and, Oh, this character appears over here, and this and that, and they're they're very clearly doing some of that here. And it's like, well, we're we're teasing season three. Um, stay tuned, folks. We're gonna have season three of The Mandalorian, in case you forgot. Um, and here it is. And I, I remember one of the actors um, or somebody affiliated with Boba Fett, like letting slip that they, they, they referred to this Boba Fett show as being uh, Mandal- the new season of the Mandalorian. <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe there was a reason. Well, wasn't it, now. wasn't it uh, Tasha or Sasha Banks? Was it? Wasn't it she? I don't know. Said, or... Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not back for the next season. Yeah. Or so, or so it was somebody like that, but yeah, I, I remember that quote while we were watching this, and I'm like, well, I can see why they uh, made that mistake. Um, but yeah, you know, this I, is all I very... Bet, oh, I go bet ahead. his... I'm sorry. I bet his muscle that he's going to bring is going to be... Uh, I was being facetious. I, I would not put it past them to see all these Jedi, you know, <laughs> coming in. But um, more than likely, the muscle is going to be, you know, I'm going to bring Bo-Katan and these other Mandalorian, you know, because it's some, it seems like we're going to have a, there's going to be, I, I think Mandalorian season three is going to be Mandalorian civil war, even though one's already happened, but I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be again, the, the armorer and her people and, you know, Bo-Katan and, or, you know, somehow uniting that, those things. So, well, that's just said. So far, we've met two factions: the armor and her cult, which we know live coverts all over the galaxy. Bo-Katan and her people, we know they're scattered. So there's nothing to prevent to say that there's other clans, houses, groups of Mandalorians who've been scattered post their destruction of Mandalore. And the idea that all of them would necessarily want to follow Din is going to be part of the challenge or part of the uh, interesting aspect of the season, just because 
Not everybody's necessarily going to come back and want to be with him. Some may challenge him. Some may be okay with following Din, but nope, you can't have Bo-Katan here. Or, okay, we're fine with being with you and Din, but no, you can't have them, them over there. Well, so we had a... We had some, some, it's like... Sorry, we had some casting news this week, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just right quick to mention, you know, another show that um, it was announced last Saturday, I believe. Yeah, deadline, January 21st. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead joins Ahsoka. Now, they haven't announced whether she's playing a particular specific character from the animated side or if she's a whole new character made up for the story. But yeah, she's officially uh, been announced as part of the cast alongside Rosario Dawson, who's playing Ahsoka, and Natasha Liu Bordisu, who's playing Sabine. So yeah, the first potential assumption there would be she might be playing Hera. Well, I right. saw others where there's a, um, from the, is it the Chiss Ascendancy, the Thrawn Ascendancy? Uh, there's a, mm -hmm. a female uh, Chiss Admiral something or other that could be as well. Could be a baddie, not necessarily mm -hmm. Hera. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting because uh, did you, I don't know if you ever saw the last season of Fargo. Because she was in there with actually with Ian McGregor, and that's interesting. But I mean, well, she obviously can play a villain just as well as she can play a hero. So uh, it's also interesting that it is a very strongly female centric TV show. So far, all the casting has been women, which is hey, cool. Uh, yeah, more for it. Man. So, uh, the and then, uh, are going to go nuts. Then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. Let's have that discussion. Um, yeah, I, no, yeah. I I wanted to just sort of briefly circle back to this idea of, and pl maybe play devil's advocate with the show and, and their decision to throw an episode of the Mandalorian ostensibly into the middle of their show. And what does it have to do with this? It's just like, well, okay, so we'll think about um, Mandalorian's trying to figure out how he fits in within this culture um, of his people. And I think like Boba Fett is very similar. And so mm -hmm. could it be that we're going to get more of that? More of where does Boba Fett fit in with his people? How do they view him? Has, has that relationship been repaired? Will he be a wild card on the chessboard eventually in terms of resolving these issues? Um, I don't know. I think like there's some interesting speculation that can be done there. Um, mm -hmm. and again, it's not something we've seen a lot of, uh, in the show. Uh, we really haven't talked much about his background other than a couple of flashbacks of seeing his dad fly the ship away and him, him grabbing his dad's helmet. But, um, you know, I, that's a big part of his character. Um, and the show really hasn't dealt with it at all. And so will we get more of it? And maybe this is a way for them to sort of start that conversation. I don't know. It creates a nice juxtaposition between what little flashbacks have seen of Din and his past with Boba and his past. I, I, I just, I really think that they, they, um, they didn't need dang near an hour of this to get across what, the, what you were just saying, Dave. I mm -hmm. mean, it could have been exactly what Fredo said of, um, 
and here comes my dog joining the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, hi, Sophie. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it could have been, yeah, like Fredo said, two minutes of, yeah, things didn't go so hot. I, you know, saw the armorer and she kicked me out and, you know, I don't know where I belong. And, you know, well, hey, we got a job for you. And, you know, there you go. And um, so, um, you know, it, it, it could have been it could have been done in like a couple minutes. And and I think they just got, hey, we're we're excited about making a Mandalorian episode here. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's also a good way to keep tabs and connect the audience because we didn't get a season three of Mandalorian. Normally, the last two years, we would have gotten season three of Mandalorian by now. We would have been knee deep into it uh, from Disney Plus. And we're not getting one till Christmas next year at the earliest. Which so which that makes me wonder. It's like why did why did they do Book of Boba Fett? Why didn't they just do season three of The Mandalorian and make it a couple more episodes and just include Boba Fett a lot more? You know, you could have had you could have still had the flashbacks and Boba Fett dealing with this stuff. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. know. Interesting question because everybody here's what's interesting. Everybody was happy with the amount of Boba Fett they got in season two of Mandalorian. And so many people have been complaining about how much Boba Fett they've gotten in uh, in this, you know, giving him their own show. And I'm always wondering if, if Boba Fett maybe not sort of functions better as a super guest star popping in here and there in other people's stories as opposed to being the main well, character of a story. That's the thing is that you take, you take, you know, Caddyshack, um, Rodney Dangerfield is awesome in Caddyshack because he is peppered in and his little vignettes here and there. Now you go to, you put him in back to school where it's Rodney Dangerfield all the time. And you're just like, Oh, so I'm so done with Rodney Dangerfield by this point. You know what I mean? It's so I think, and the thing that people liked about Boba Fett was the, the mystery. And so now you're learning all about him and he loses a mystery, like you've said before, Fredo. And it's like, so now he's just, he's just dude, you know? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's like when kiss, it when kiss takes the makeup off, it's like, you know, the illusion is lost, you know? Or, or to use your, your Kadoshek examples, when you have the little gopher in Kadoshek one, be a bigger part of Caddyshack 2. Oh, Caddyshack 2 is the most awful movie ever made. The only movie I, I ever stopped halfway through and just walked away. <laughs> it was horrible. Well, uh, but yes, I'll you're say, right. You're right. Yeah. One thing I didn't didn't mention earlier when I was watching this um, that occurred, the thought occurred to me was like it's very much this this storytelling structure of. We're just going to abandon everything you've been watching and we're just going to show you something else completely different across the galaxy. It's very Clone Wars. Um, it's just that's that was what Clone Wars was like. And, then you know, people listening to this, if you watch Clone Wars and if you just got bored with it or if you watched it all the way through and you loved it anywhere in between, um this was what it was like because you would watch two or three episodes of a particular storyline and then they'd jump and you'd spend one episode somewhere else and then you'd jump again and it'd be three episodes with somebody else. And so like 
it's not completely foreign to Star Wars fans to be like tossed around like this. Um, so, you know, if Filoni's involved, I'm sure he this is his comfort zone to do this to people. Um, but again, I think it is also fair for people to, to sort of ask, like, where, where's Boba Fett? <laughs> where was Boba Fett? I don't understand. Well, so yeah, I mean, so I guess, yeah, we think the next uh, couple episodes is obviously going to be the, the ramp up the to the, the big confrontation, whatever the heck that's going to be. I mean, probably going to be with the Pikes. We um, really don't know. I'm, I'm still, I, want, I still want to have an office pool here. I, I think the Pikes are a red herring. I think the person, I think Crimson Dawn is the big baddie and it just hasn't been revealed yet because remember back in Solo, you know, we have a fragile allegiance with the Pikes or something like that. And I think you're, Mm -hmm. I still think you're going to get um, a Kira um, deal, you know, going on. Um, I think we're going to see Amelia Clark. And actually, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking the, the rooster, the little dragon looking thing that was, you know, crawling at the, at the crack of dawn. It was like, okay, so is that a nice little wink to game of Thrones and a little foreshadowing of, you know, Amelia Clark. Could be, could be. I mean, we'd remember back to the episode with the huts where the hut twin said this territory was promised to somebody else. Now, who has the power to promise? They didn't say the Pikes. Be- they didn't say the Pikes. They said someone else. Somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But who has the power to promise to a gang that no, you own this planet and the Huts will not get in? To the point that the Huts will go, our apologies. This isn't really our fight. Here's a nice baby rancor to make up for it. Yep. Crimson Dawn would be it. So I still, like I said, I still, I'd still put um, your your favorite pint of beer on on the on the uh on the table there so um okay well cool well i guess folks i I don't i think we've kind of you know gotten all of our thoughts out on this episode um you know i'm enjoying it i don't necessarily know if it's an emmy award-winning show by any standpoint but uh you know it's 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 fun so uh, why don't you let us know on twitter or on facebook what you think of uh, the book of boba fett so far what you thought about the deviation into uh mando land um and uh let us know and we like i said we like to be distracted you know during the day so um everybody needs a break um until then everybody uh you know make sure you're buying your voodoo dolls and um lighting sage and everything like that and because light it make light all the saints candles you can and uh Stay away from sonic booms and weird cloud formations. Uh, yeah, so until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have a great week. My monkey.